Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back. Chris Naki, Denton Day with you, taking it on 940. Nats pick up from there. Charlie and Dave will be on. First pitch shortly thereafter. You know, this... This sort of hits you right in the face. For anybody who consumes a lot of sports media, which I do, uh, and most people who listen to this station actually do the same, of course, but, you know, when you, you're forced to read something, and this is comes from CBS Sports, and it is bannered. It is the first headline when you go to CBS Sports. But it is the seven most likely places for Juan Soto to end up this weekend. Now, you know, the thing that's infuriating to this uh, about this for me as a local sports fan is some of the teams that are on here aren't bigger markets necessarily than what's here or you know have had more success over the last 10 years but for whatever reason they have the wherewithal because whoever is trading for Soto I assume is doing a you know, it's a commitment. You're not just looking at two years. You're you're also looking at cobbling together a long-term agreement, probably to make him the highest-paid player in the sport, at least temporarily. So whomever, you know, whatever club negotiates some sort of a trade, um, you know, is probably going to have the wherewithal or come up with the wherewithal to uh, payroll-wise. So, you know, it's it's a little infuriating to have a team like this that is – as poor as it is on the field, and then plead poverty off of it and not be able to sign, you know, they're arguably the best player in the game, certainly a top three player. But in no particular order, one of the things that, you know, it's always going to be the least, you know, it's the least surprising thing ever is the fact that the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Mets are all a part of the equation. They're all in the top seven. Giants, too. The Giants have a boatload of room payroll-wise. The Giants traditionally have uh, stars on that team. You know, they've paid. They have paid guys. But the one team that everybody's talking about is sort of the Vegas favorite are the Cardinals. Here's my issue with this, Denton, okay? The Cardinals are – they're baseball royalty, right? I mean, they're they're the club of – of Dizzy Dean and, you know, I mean, they, they Stan Musial, and they, they were great back in the 20s and 30s and 40s. They have a long and rich tradition in the sport. Okay? Much love. Much props. But they're in St. Louis. Okay? And and to me, and, and not only that, they're always in the conversation every year. Not, not only are they in the conversation for free agents, they're also in the conversation, you know, as the as the as the season goes on and head source playoffs, Cardinals are always pretty damn good. 
right? They're always relevant. How is it that that escapes us here, that we can't have nice things, you know? And, and I, guess, I guess my point is, if they can do it, why can't this club do it? And, and also, further, I think the story last week about Soto having to take a commercial flight to L.A. for the home run hitting contest, it's, it's, it's a little comical. It's also petty as hell. It's really petty. That's what petty, lousy operations do. I mean, that's what Mickey Mouse operations do. So, I mean, at some point in time, and I've had a chance to meet Mike Rizzo, wonderful guy. I'm wondering if, there, if there's a completely ch- diff- different attitude and a completely different vibe with new owners involved. Because by all reports, the learners are notoriously cheap. And I just don't, I don't know how, you, how we got here. Stunning to me. You've tra- as it is, you've let go or traded away all the best parts of what made you viable since 2012, 2013, 2014. All those pieces are gone. One remains, and he's the bell cow. Of all those guys, all those really good players that have come through here since 2012, all those guys, this would be my number one pick of the draft. You know, and yet we can't have nice things. Uh, it's infuriating to read this. And I, 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 I'm not, everybody says Cardinals have these wonderful, uh, you know, MLB ready guys. They got two great 20 year olds in double A. You know how many guys tear up double A who you never hear from again? I mean, to think that you're giving, you'd be giving up Juan Soto and two of the guys as part of a, the fulcrum of the deal. Are, are, you know, are are double A guys? It's infuriating to me. Is it not to you? I mean, oh, I mean, I mean, you know, you mentioned a really interesting word, uh, the word of tradition when it comes to the Cardinals, and the thing with the Nats is, you know, they really haven't been a, a franchise for that long. I mean, take the Expos out of this, but baseball in D.C. I am not a first generation national fan. I am the first generation of Nationals fans, and when baseball in particular, you always talk of tradition with the Cardinals. They have that tradition. The Yankees have a certain tradition where maybe it's paying for players, but they have this established tradition, and the same goes with Boston and the Giants and all of the teams that are historically involved in these conversations. I think this city and this team in particular, and I hope that the new ownership, whoever that is, uh, hears this and decides to, to be the change here. I hope they start to form the tradition where we are not a developmental organization for everybody else, where we develop these guys, your Harpers, your Rendones, whoever that next class is, and actually keep them here starting with Juan Soto because you're right, the learners have traditionally been very cheap except for pitchers, but then one of the pitchers they paid the most money to now hasn't really played since they paid him that money and he's not going to play the remainder of this year. So it's it's frustrating as a fan, as a guy that grew up watching this team. They need to start founding that tradition where where they keep the guys they need to keep. I think also, uh, I think Nats fans have given these guys too, a pass for too long, for way too long. You know, 2019 World Series win engendered some you know some serious goodwill, and I get it. I understand how that works. But the fact of the matter is that was 2019. What's happened since then has been basically a, a garage sale uh, of, of talent and name brand guys. You know, I mean, 
And also, one of the recurring themes to me, too, is that this would be the second time you end up trading a star player with two controllable years left on his contract. I mean, and and I know that baseball people would explain to me when it happened with Trey Turner that, well, you're getting a haul, a real haul in return for him. These are guys, yeah, maybe. Maybe five years from now you'll feel like you got a haul. But I think more. what's more likely is five years from now you're going to say, Trey Turner's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's what I think. That's more likely. So so to to go through this crap again is I mean, if it happens once, it's a bet, right? It's a bet that you lost on. You know, and and maybe you don't even won't even know that you lost it for a couple of years, but it's if it happens a second time, you're presented with the same circumstance a second time and you pull the trigger similarly. That is what gets people fired, and that's also what puts that can that can put an organization into the dumpster for years to come. So let me ask you this: When you were coaching, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you back into the days where you were coaching. How important was it to establish culture in your program? Well, it's very important, but it's one of those things too that you uh, it's hard to define what it is. You know, you sort of the idea is you lead by example. You want to do things the right way. You want to treat people well, um, but that doesn't mean you treat people the same because mm. everybody's different. And, and a basketball team is is different too because there's so few guys relative. There are twice as many people playing baseball. But I think that actually illustrates the point because when you're when you're building that culture with a basketball program, how important was it to you as a coach to have people that wanted to be there and to be a part of what you were building from the ground? Oh, up? it was essential. It was essential. But but I knew that they would come along, that they would be there for the ride, if they were treated well, and treated honestly, and and you you know you were you you dealt with them honestly. Do you think? You know, if you were to have had an exit interview with all the Nats that have left over the last several years, you think they felt across the board that they were dealt with fairly? I don't know if you if they would say they were dealt with fairly, but I think if you think uh, if you ask all of the players that come to mind with guys that left, with Harper, with Rendon, with Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, and the list goes on and on. Something that all those guys had in common, maybe a little less with Rendon because it did kind of feel like he had one foot out. Harper wanted to be here. And there was a great piece in the Washington Post when all this was going down that stated it was like almost, I don't know if it was a one-on-one interview with him or what. Harper thought he was going to be a gnat. He wanted to be here. Trey Turner, it still feels like, wants to be here. He does not look fully comfortable with the Dodgers. I think Max Scherzer wanted to be here, but the organization wanted to do right by Max. Say, hey, we're, we're not going to compete this year. Uh, we'll put you on a team that can win a championship. And then the Dodgers lost, LOL. And I think Juan Soto still wants to be here. Everything that I've seen and heard from him over the past 10 days still to me says that he wants to be here. He just wants to be paid what he's worth. So I think what What's happened here with the Nats is they have created a culture of which people actually want to be here, which when you look at the the realm of sports in this particular city, it does sometimes feel like people don't want to come here. The Nationals have built a culture in which people actually want to be here and be here for the long term, and then they do away with them, and that's frustrating. 
The other thing I think they badly mishandled here, and, and I, I think I, I read this correctly, I think the, the, the information about the contract offer to Soto um, and, and, and the fact that Boris turned it down, that all came from the Nat side of the fence. And that's one of those things that there, I think that when you publicly do that, you're basically saying, throwing it out there and saying, look, we made this huge offer. And this guy, for whatever reason, he turned it down. But the fact of the matter is when you look at the offer, I mean, Anthony Rendon makes more per year with what he's making than, than Juan Soto would under that new offer. So it's, a, it's disingenuous and there's, it's inherently dishonest to play that game where you put that crap out, you put that stuff out there yourself, you float it, rather than just you know have a conversation where, okay, that offer wasn't good, good enough for you. Let's see if we can find some ground. Let's see if we can find some common ground. Shorter duration of a contract, maybe. Maybe it's a, uh, you know, and and to their credit, to their credit, okay, they didn't uh, defer the money. That's the Nats thing, right? For years, and that's what got them in hot water with a lot of their contracts is the concept of deferred money, okay? And um, and none of it was deferred to, to Soto, but again, St. Louis Cardinals, when they're making an offer to guys, Anaheim Angels, those teams, they don't put in deferred money anyways. They just they get the deal done. So, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a source of great frustration as a D.C. sports fan. And, and now you're in a situation where who's your best team in town? Who is your best team in this town? I mean, maybe, and I'm, I'm yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping it's Terps basketball. But, but I mean, in terms of professional sports, I mean, good Lord. Oh, the, the best team in town starts practice in a couple hours. Yeah, I, 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 it may be. And, and they're going to benefit by having a really soft schedule. So uh, and we'll take a look at that here coming up. But the, just, you know, when you open up any sort of an app, and mine happened to be on CBS Sports, and you, the first thing that jumps out at you is your hometown guy booking, leaving. Or, or being on everybody's want list. It's just infuriating that you can't keep a guy like that. Corey, as the Cardinals, right? At this point in time, they're good all the time. They're good every year. And I hate that. I hate the Braves. I did, well, I did oh. too, but, but I, I respect that, that level of consistency. And so what is it that makes these, and that's rhetorical. I don't know the answer. What is it that makes these teams these teams and these franchises these franchises uh anyway let's move on want to talk we got the uh, commander's training camp coming up in a matter of hours wednesday it starts and and it kind of strikes me one of the things i wanted to talk about tonight was uh sort of the illusion that sports offers us and you see it manifest itself in a few ways i'm always struck by um the fact that in training camp there are always rock stars that are who make big names for themselves. They're like comets. They flash through the sky for a short period of time, and then you forget about them. A couple weeks later, they're gone. Maybe they get cut, last cut, picked up by somebody else, and, and you think, damn, that guy would have been good here, and then he doesn't play at that place either. And it seems like, I don't know who we're going to be talking about this week, uh, next week, 
But there will be somebody that we don't expect to hear his name come up, I mean, just kind of randomly, and we'll be talking about him ad nauseum for the next three weeks. God, I hope it's not a wide receiver. I have oh, it can, it's a skill guy. It's not going to be a tackle. I, I wish it was because I have so much pain from years prior where it's a why it's the oh look at that it's the comet of Terrell Pryor oh look at that it's Josh Doxson oh it's Brandon Lloyd it's all these wide receivers we always fall for the wide receivers in Ashburn yeah yeah I think that's a I think that's a part of it as well um the illusion also I, I, the last time we were together that was at the NBA draft. Uh, Linnell Willingham and I were doing a show down there. You were uh, uh, did a great job down there kind of marshalling the forces down there. We had a lot of great guests. And the Wizards ended up taking Johnny Davis from Wisconsin with the 11th pick. Um, it was a bit of a no-brainer pick because a lot of the guys that they had really wanted, I think, um, maybe ahead of Davis, just weren't available at the time. They were taken by, by teams before him. So... Um, so at any rate, uh, it's disappointing, but they felt like, and it was articulated to us that, Hey, we got the best guy available. That sort of a thing. Winner, that, you know, that kind of a thing. So you progress to the L to the NBA summer league in Las Vegas. And that league is filled with a lot of illusions. That event, you have a lot of guys who, uh, you know, they've had the same guy lead the, the the league, summer league, in scoring the last two years. You know how many NBA games he's played? My guess is zero. Zero. So so it's a complete illusion. And 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 so the other thing is these are games that for the most part lack any structure whatsoever. It's the first guy over half court. It's you run a high screen and roll. Somebody gets a shot. It's either a, a it's either a dunk. Attempt, a layup attempt, or a three-point attempt. That's it. Okay, this is what, kind of the nature of the all-star game. And to some degree, that's the way the NBA plays. But no structure whatsoever, very little defense. And so there's not just an illusion for the guys who excel in an environment like that. There's an illusion for the guys who struggle. Johnny Davis struggled mightily. He looked unathletic. He looked like he couldn't shoot the ball particularly well. Looked like he couldn't get past guys. Um, and the unathletic thing is one that's hard to get. I mean, you can you can improve as a shooter. You can improve as a defender. It's hard to get yourself more athletic at this stage at 21 years old. You know, he'll get stronger. Doesn't make himself more athletic. Now, that being said, uh, there's an illusion for guys like that. All-star games aren't made for guys like Johnny Davis. That's not to say I predict he's going to have a long and prosperous NBA career. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. That's just a crapshoot, NBA. I think you know who the top three players are. By the way, the top three players who were picked in that draft, top three for a reason. They're all big-time players. They showed it in the glimpses that we saw of them in Vegas, and then they were shut down. You know what? Because the last thing you want is you want – you don't want one of your guys, one of those picks, being hurt by a scratcher. And I think the same held true for Davis. He struggled in a couple of games, and I think that the Wizards thought, you know what, he got some run, got some burn, got a chance to play with guys who, who are going to be in training camp, some of the guys who are going to be in training camp. Let's let him go. Uh, let's, let's shut him down, rather. And so, again, sports is filled with illusions of all kinds, and we're seeing it sort of manifest itself 
across the sports line here with both the Wizards and with the uh, and with the, the Commanders starting up this week. I can pretty much assure you that aside from the daily uh, Carson Wentz commentary, which and it will be daily, it will be full throated, it will be pass by pass by pass. There will be somebody again, somebody who emerges for a two or three week period that we weren't expecting to hear about. I'm I'm hoping it's somebody on the defense. I'm hoping there's somebody on the defense, whether that be in the secondary or preferably a linebacker. Well, a linebacker is in desperate need of emergence of somebody. I mean, that's the weakest, got to be the weakest unit on this team, right? I mean, somebody that can play the run and play the pass at least moderately well. Just somebody that gives us the illusion of which you speak of, the illusion of hope. That that position isn't going to be a complete disaster. That whatever tight end the Philadelphia Eagles put on the field isn't going to go for a buck fifty twice this season, or whatever uh, Dalton Schultz, whatever that kid's name is in Dallas, or whoever the hell New York has a tight end. It's always the tight ends against the division rivals that give us hell. I just want to find somebody. I don't even care if it's a linebacker. They could play safety. They could play rover. Who cares what position they are? Just find me somebody that can defend a damn tight end. There you go. There you go. And I love the fact that we've been together now for a handful of shows, and we talk about this all the time. When you're when you when you're either coaching or you are putting together a team or a franchise, any kind of operation like that, you are selling hope. You are a dealer of hope, is what you are. Hope futures is what that is. All right, we've got some bills to pay here. Uh, got a few things to get to when we come back. We're on for another hour here before Charlie and Dave take over. And the Nats take on the Dodgers. All right, back here in a few. You're listening to Overtime, 106.7 The Fan and Odyssey app. Uh, we are back. Chris Knocky, Denton Day with you here till 940. Nats taking on the Dodgers after that on this fine station. Um, you know, Denton, I don't know if uh, uh, what kind of uh, trips you've made to various venues around the country to to see sports. You know, I'm, I'm really fortunate being able to do what I've been able what I've been able to do has really afforded me an opportunity to be you know to, to go to some great games in some great places and I I I, uh, I love everything about that you know that opportunity um, I was recently I was talking to my son my oldest son has moved to Chicago great town right great great place and uh, we were talking not long ago about I mean I miss him I want to see him and He's not getting home nearly as much as I would like. Uh, so we were talking about getting together this fall. And um, <clears throat> he made a great suggestion not long ago. He's like, uh, why don't you fly out here, you know, like on a Thursday fr- or Friday, and we'll drive up to Lambeau to see a Packers game one weekend. And so, um, you know, he said, make it like October. Weather's changing, you know, football, it's falls in the air, right? It's perfect. And I said, that's just, and he, it's also before November when it gets to be ridiculous. Yeah, when it's not negative two degrees yeah, outside. Yeah, so I'm thinking that's fantastic. So the other thing that I, I am privy to that I'm very, very grateful for is uh, being in this job and in this city for as long as I have been, I, am, I also have access to guys who have tickets for things like this, right? And who can provide me access. So I called a buddy of mine up and he said, um, I was telling him about the plan. And 
the, the, the bad part, too, is that the Packers don't really have a lot going on in October, including they've got a bye, but the, the games weren't particularly attractive. Um, and so, uh, so at any rate, he's like, hey, listen, he said, I've got these unbelievable seats to Soldier Field to see the Bears. He said, it's on the L. It's a lot of fun. He said, I go to games, you know, once or twice a year. I pretty much sell everything else on StubHub during the course of the year. You just go on the schedule and you pick out a game and see uh, see which one, you, you know, whatever one you want to come to, I got your tickets, whatever one. So I, I, I'm not a Bears guy, but again, I respect the tradition. We talked about the Cardinals tradition. The Bears are the Bears. The Bears, you know. So um, I look on the schedule, I look on the schedule, lo and behold, who is playing a Thursday night special at Soldier Field? It's your Washington Commanders are in there on October the 13th. Now, one of the things that I was looking for at Lambeau was I was looking forward to sort of a passive game experience where I really wasn't rooting for anybody. I was just looking to hang out, drink a couple of beers, have some fun, you know, and then drive back to Chicago. So I did two things. First of all, I did commit to those tickets, and I asked the guy, I said, can you hook me? Can you hook a brother up? And he's, he said, you already sent me the tickets. And then I'm thinking to myself, this isn't really going to be a passive game experience. This team, I still watch them every weekend. They frustrate the crap out of me all the time and have so for a long time. So now I'm thinking, I don't know if I really want to do this now. Now I feel like... I'm hoping it snows or something I can get out of it. And I told my buddy who gave me the tickets. I said, you know, now I'm sort of ambivalent about it. I'm, maybe it'll rain and I don't have to go. He said, well, the seats are undercover. And I'm like, well, <laughs> shoot. I, I wanted an excuse to get out of it. No, you got to go. You got to go to Soldier Field because you got to keep in mind that stadium is going to get torn down here in a couple of years. So you don't, you're not going to have all these opportunities to get back there. You got to check that one off the bucket list. So the, I just read too, where, where the mayor of, I think it was the mayor, some, or maybe somebody in the city council was talking about not only refurbishing it, but putting a roof on the place. It was, it was not long ago. Soldier field had a pretty extensive makeover and I hear it's kind of wonky because of the makeover. It's not, you know, it's sort of a, uh, silicone makeover on an old right, chassis, right. <laughs> you know? And so, if that's fair. Yeah, it's, it's that surgery about 10 years too late, yeah, if you will. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know what? I'm all about the trip. And, uh, and, and then I found out, too. So, I, I, I love, I'm not a uniform guy. Uh, nothing really, uh, you know, I'm not big into the alternate jersey thing or anything like that. I will say, though, that some of the newer NFL, the NFL has allowed teams to, to, to market and wear alternate jerseys for a couple of times a year. It just so happens that that day that, that we're going to the Bears game in Chicago, the Bears are rocking this brand-new orange helmet. And orange has is, is always been sort of a – like a tertiary color for the Bears uniforms. They've always been black and white for the most part, it seems like to me. Or I mean, they've always been basically, you know, a, a dual color sort of a thing, you know. And, uh, and but the uh, 
And I and I saw the Bears helmet on the heels of seeing the Bengals new gear. Have you seen Ooh, that? Ooh, that Bengals helmet looks good. The whole jersey is sweet. Oh, it looks so good. Black and white. I mean, it's legit. And it's simple. It, it's, you know, it's you don't have to go neon. Like the Bears thing looks almost neon to me. But I, I saw the um, the Bears helmet on the heels. Uh, oh, and the other one I saw too. Did you see the Cardinals alternate black helmet? No, I have not. Let oh, me look that one up. Cash money. Cash money. And I think the Cardinals... Back in the day when I was growing up watching the, uh, you know, the St. Louis Cardinals that became the Arizona Cardinals, of course, um, I thought that the Cardinals always had the lamest jerseys in sports. The uh, red, do you see it? Did you pull it up? Yeah, that's a, that's a really clean look. That's a good look, right? Black helmet, red cardinal. Um, you know, that looked good on like a, a black. They they got some pretty cool black jerseys right. too. You know, and um, and like I said, I'm not a uniform nerd at all, but. Uh, and I think the NFL can still maintain sort of the traditional base that it has with the, with the franchises where they are, but still change the look a little bit, update the look a little bit. I mean, for the life of me, I don't know why the NFL's been digging their heels in the sand on this particular topic for so long. This is printing money because you have you might not be the uniform nerd. I'm a uniform. Oh, nerd. are you really? And I like I love this sort of thing. So not only does it have my attention, but when I eventually you know, have my Jeff Bezos moment and come to that wealth. I mean, guess who's going to be buying all these new matter things? Of time, my I am. It's a matter of time. <laughs> yeah, and I, I totally agree. It's a spigot. It's a spigot of, of cash is what it is. But this is a league that traditionally has fined players when their socks weren't, you know, weren't pulled up. When an undershirt underneath yeah. has a design. Yeah, so I, not, I would put nothing past them. I just, but at any rate, the whole thing, I'm excited. I'm excited about, you know, the the trip to Chicago, Soldier Field. Uh, you know, uh, I fortunately the Big Ten goes to Chicago. We play the tournament there, and we played the tournament there once. And you know, it's in the rotation. It's a legit town. It's great fun. It's a big freaking city, obviously. And again, it's a franchise with a lot of history and. Uh, um, but also, you, you get there a lot, the confluence of all these things. Thursday Night Football, national TV. It's always something special about football under lights, right? Uh, sports under lights, football under lights, Thursday Night TV. Uh, you know, you get the, uh, the, the new orange garb. And we all know that the commanders are going to be wearing new jerseys that we haven't really seen for the most part. I've seen only on Chase Young have we seen them. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting. So I'm looking forward to... Uh, to uh, making a trip like that, I don't know what's on your bucket list. Have you got any any place that you really want to get to? Oh, there are there are a lot of college football uh, stadiums that I'd love to see a game at. Lambeau Field is an NFL one. Soldier Field is up there, maybe not as high. I don't obviously I don't love the Cowboys, but seeing a game at Jerry World would interest me. I've been near the Superdome in uh, New Orleans. I've never been inside of it though. That would be a that would be a ton of fun. I've actually never seen a game of any kind in Madison Square Garden. So obviously that's that's something you got to cross off, but a lot of mine are college football related because that atmosphere and that environment is something that I love the NFL, but I don't think it can compete with that. Yeah, it's special. I would love to go to some SEC games. I've been to uh Tuscaloosa 
you know, been to the stadium, but I've never, never been to a game there. I was there, by the way, there's a restaurant. God, I, I wish I knew, I could remember the name of it. There's a restaurant that's really uh, adjacent to the football field. It's a really well-known burger place uh, down there. And it's a hangout for, for everybody who does anything with the football program. And in fact, you go in there, the memorabilia on the walls and on the ceilings is nuts. And I was down there once, Maryland, we, Maryland was playing a basketball game against Alabama. And a buddy of mine told me, you got to go to this place. you got to go to all the football memorabilia in there. So I walk in there, and uh, I happened to be in, in there with Mark Turgeon, who Maryland's former coach, and we were talking with the owner of the place. And uh, we were sitting down having a burger, and the and, uh, question was asked of the owner, what is the uh, most popular thing on the menu? And the guy said, it's our fifth, number 15 burger. And I said, why is it called the number 15 burger? And he said, well, uh, Alabama has won 15 national championships, and there are 15 slices of bacon on the burger. <laughs> well, wait a sec, wait a sec. That was like six, that was like eight or nine years ago. They've won three <laughs> national championships since then. So I wonder if the 15 has become the 18, and I'm hoping that they have like the defibrillator on the wall. <laughs> You know, so they could just give you the paddles right after you have like half a burger. Then you can get up and finish the other half. Did you get the 15? No, no, no. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I Did mean, I like bacon. Who doesn't? But I'm, I can't. That's I'm just, just curious to see what that, like, how do you hold that monstrosity in your hand? He said you'd be surprised how many we sell. I would I would try it, I think. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd give it a shot, you know. Give it a whirl. Yeah, but those are those are exciting places. Uh Stanford, the Stanford, where the Redskins won a the old Redskins actually won a Super Bowl out there. I was kind of hoping Stanford would be on the invite list into the Big Ten because uh, Palo Alto is one of the greatest places in America in America to go hang out. Um, but they haven't made the cut. Well, yet. they're too nerdy. That's their issue. They yeah, have but we got academic. Northwestern. Northwestern needs a needs a nerd partner. It needs a lab partner. Right. I, I think Stanford is turned off by Nebraska. Like, wait a second. They're not they're not as smart as us. They're not in whatever <laughs> AAC, whatever that thing is. We can't we can't be associated with them. I, I thought too, we gotta go to break here in a sec. I thought one of the reasons why they would put Stanford in is because of guys like you, because you know, the next wave, I mean, the Big Ten's talking about this enormous T V contract with Fox, Fox Sports, right? It's huge. Give them out to a hundred million dollars a year. But the next frontier on that horizon are all the streaming services the hulus and the googles and you know and 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 they're in that area you know i thought it would be a kind of a natural to invite stanford to the party and it could be that they're you know the next wave in who knows but uh um i I, that's wishful thinking for my part i just want to get to northern california all right we're back wrapping up this hour here just got a couple of minutes left before we have to pay a couple more bills you know, I referenced uh, this little abbreviated segment here. I don't want to jump too deep into the NFL. We'll get into that the next hour. But um, Memphis, I mentioned uh, Stanford and uh, the whole notion of the Big Ten. And it's kind of interesting to me, Denton, what uh, Notre Dame is doing right now and what they might be thinking about right now. It would seem to me to be the natural move to join the Big Ten. I'm sure that, that there is an open invitation uh, for that. Um, but they hold a lot of cards 
and we talked about leverage earlier. They've got some leverage. I mean, you talk about open invitation. People are catcalling them at this point. Like, yeah. hey, please come to us. We 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 desire to have you as a part of our our group and our community. My best guess would be that there's a 60% chance they're the next domino to fall in this ever-changing world of uh, conference realignment. And it's college football heavy, but it really impacts all sports. My guess is that by this time next year, Notre Dame has some affiliation with a conference. There's there's just too much money being thrown around. It's also, in terms of the Big Ten, there are a lot of easy, natural rivalries for them. They're effectively a Chicago team uh, being based in South Bend, and they already have rivalries with, you know, they play Michigan. Um, you know, they've, they, they've got ongoing rivalries with, uh, you know, they've, they've played Penn State. Uh, so it's it would seem to me to be a natural, and and I'm I'm of mind. This is ninety eight percent a football decision. It does affect all sports, but is it is a football decision. And with that being said, that's also why, like I, I there could be an implosion in the ACC because Florida State, uh, Clemson, they're much more aligned with the SEC mentality than they are with the ACC mentality. I know that they have to pay a big a big number to leave the conference. There's a huge fine for, for teams that leave. But they stand to make so much more on the uh on the departure uh with the TV the money deals being what they are in the SEC. They make that up in a matter of like 2 years. They pay for your their exit fee. So I don't think it's quite the deal maybe that it once was with what these uh, what these new TV deals are worth. But that's where the ACC teams are stuck because the existing grant of rights for the ACC is through ESPN. Right. If they jump ship to the SEC, it's still through ESPN. So from the mothership's perspective, why would we pay you more? Like, we're already paying you. You're making us more money than we're paying you. Why would we pay you more to jump ship and disband what we have with the ACC? We've poured all this money into the ACC network and... They're continue to pour that. So with USC and UCLA, and even to a certain extent with Oklahoma and Texas, they were in a, a conference that had a different television deal. So now Texas and Longhorn Network, that's now an ESPN property. And now you can get the Oklahoma package with ESPN. And now uh, with USC, uh, they were jumping from that weird Pac-12 television deal where it really wasn't a television deal, but it yeah. was. Now you're jumping into bed with Fox, and they say, well, you're now ours for sure. So that's the that's the one thing why we're not seeing a ton of these ACC teams jump because it's not good for ESPN and these television these television companies are really the ones that are driving this entire game of chess. I wonder though if you are in the you know Wake Forest or Boston College or Syracuse you've got to be nervous about where all this is headed. Uh, ultimately, those the, the grant of rights ex- expires. You know, I mean, it's a it's a contractual deal, and it's in two thousand and thirty six. They got a long. Is that what it is? They got a long time. There. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I just at some point in time, the music will stop. You want to make sure you have a seat at that table, and um, the the just the future of the ACC is is sort of interesting to me. And I I, I don't know. Um, I have friends who have worked at Florida State. 
and they have sort of a love-hate relationship with the ACC. You know, the ACC traditionally has treated schools that are, like Maryland, that are off the I-85 corridor where they're located, like, you know, like stepchildren. Mm-hmm. And I think Florida State always felt that way. The other thing is the folks at Florida State, now they've been exceptionally mediocre the last couple of years in football, <laughs> but for a long time they more than held up their end of the deal on the football side of things. And it was not – they were not the rising tide that lifted all boats. It was Florida State and Clemson and nobody else. Right. So I think there was some frustration at that. And um, um, But at any rate, yeah, I mean, it, it's – I'd be hard-pressed to think that uh, – I just – I've always felt like Clemson and Florida State were square pegs in a round hole in that league. ACC still strikes me as somewhat basketball centric, even though football is is such an enormous there's such an enormous amount of money involved, and uh, yeah, I don't know where that where that will all head. But Notre Dame's going to call. Notre Dame will be the first domino to fall at some point. No, Notre Dame and with the, with the ACC, they it, this is all about brands. You know, you, the SEC wanted the brand of Oklahoma and Texas. The Big Ten wanted the brand of USC and UCLA. Kind of just came with them. The ACC's biggest brand, you're right, is UNC. It's not Clemson, even though they've been phenomenal at football for the past 10 years. It's not Florida State. It's not Miami. The biggest brand in that conference is UNC, but they're not a football school. They've had success at football, but they're much more a basketball school, so that's kind of a weird predicament as well. You're protecting a, a, your biggest brand in U, U, or UNC, but they're not the biggest money draw on the football field. That is you know, your Clemsons of the world. So that's an interesting dynamic that kind of gets lost in all of this that they're wrestling with trying to keep their head above water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and the commissioner of the ACC really just assumed the reins oh. last year. <laughs> so you talk about jumping right into the cauldron, you know. And he's had some things at ACC Media Day this weekend that uh, in a year or two he is going to regret. Yes, he will. I saw that, <laughs> Jim Phillips. All right, uh, we're going to take a break here. When we get back, we're going to jump back into training camp here. We're with you till 940. Nat's coming up, and by the way, it, we've come a long way from the, you know, just a few short years ago, the Nats were in L.A. for a, you know, to 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 win their way into a World Series. I mean, this is heartbreaking to see these two teams play with them going in completely different directions. But we will listen to Charlie and Dave for sure, starting at 940. Chris Knocky, Denton Day with you. Name of the show is Overtime, 106.7 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, 